evening or good afternoon, wherever you are. Uh, you join me again, Sam Roberts, for another Bedford Blues podcast. Uh, this time we are talking to a man who, uh, over the last uh, 10 years or so, has uh, become synonymous with the word blues. Absolute pleasure to have him here on a podcast. I know he likes his music, so I'm hoping to get a bit of uh, knowledge out of him on that front, and it's an absolute genuine pleasure to welcome Sasha Harding. Hi, Sam. How are you, mate? I'm very good, very good. When the idea of the podcast and the idea of the, the away trip came along, I thought, Sasha would be quite a good one. He's got a story to tell. I'm going to take you back. I'm going to take you all the way back, and if you don't mind, all the way back to perhaps your youth. And um, Can you tell me about how rugby started with you? When did it start for you? Were you a, an early rugby, a mini rugby player? I was, yeah. Um, basically, uh, I was quite a lively kid, I think. I just got on my mum's nerves quite a lot. So she, she um, decided to take me down to my local rugby club at the age of about six um, down to Datchworth Rugby Club back in Hertfordshire and um, yeah I just loved it I loved running around in the mud and and just you know I was a little bit bigger than everyone else so I was tend to be pretty good and score some tries which is always fun um, yeah and just been playing ever since really I um, had a brief spell at football when I was about 13 I stopped playing and you know I was really into Spurs well I still am into Spurs I started supporting them quite heavily, got a season ticket with my dad. And I was like, right, I'm not, I want to be a footballer. But I quickly discovered that I wasn't very good at that. <laughs> and, um, um, yeah, wasn't quite getting the same reaction from my teammates, so I flipped back to rugby. And, uh, yeah, been ever since, really. Do you play at school at all? I mean, did you go to... I'm thinking you went to Hitchin Boys School, is that right? Well, I originally... Um, after prim- primary school, I went to a school called Monks Walk in Wellington City. Um, which was like a modern comprehensive school, and um, it wasn't wasn't a rugby school. Um, so I went and joined the Wellin Rugby Club and just played for their junior section. But wasn't really it wasn't really a big deal. Wasn't really that into it. I um, I quit a couple of well not quit but I just didn't go a couple of times. Um, I, I played golf. I played cricket. I played all different sorts of sports. Uh, but I, within that when I was at that score, I sort of generally fell into the wrong crowd, um, got in a lot of trouble, um, and was eventually expelled from that school, um, which at the time was, you know, obviously quite worrying for my parents um, and for me. I didn't really know what, you know, I was 14 years old, I didn't really know where my future was going to go because, you know, I struggled getting back into another school. Um, but then a place, I had to be in education. So uh, a place came up in Hitchin Boys School and um, I met with the headmaster and he gave me a stern warning that um, if they were to take me on that I'd have to be uh, you know, on best behaviour at all times. And um, I managed to get back into education at Hitchin Boys School and uh, part of their ethos, they're like a, a traditional grammar school, not a private school but you know, a grammar school, so it's similar to a private school. And um, you had to play rugby and... I'd gone from being reasonably popular at my old school to going to a school where I knew absolutely no one at um, you know, quite an impressionable age, 14, 15 years old. And it, you know, a good way to sort of make some friends quite quickly was to join the rugby team. So I sort of tried to keep my head down and got stuck into rugby. And, and from that point on, really enjoyed it and found it a, a big release from everything else. Just got stuck into it. And um, yeah, and from there, got picked to come on. Um, come up to Bedford and try out for the Colts and yeah, the rest is history I guess. <laughs> when did you 
when did you start to think, or can you pinpoint that moment in time when you thought this could be something I could do long term? This could be something I could do as a career. Was there any any of that? Can you pinpoint that moment? Yeah. Well, I think when I when I came to Hitching Boys School and started playing regularly, um, I, I really started to enjoy it. And anything that you, you know you're good at, you tend to enjoy. And um, a few years earlier, you had Joe Worsley. Was, was from our school and um, he'd done really well and he was you know up all over the school all the time and um, I thought you know that would be pretty cool to try and do something like that so I just thought okay I'll give this a go see where it, see where it goes and I remember one of the teachers sort of telling me uh, oh you know you, you, you never be good enough to play professional rugby and you know me being me being quite stubborn and quite determined I thought well you know I, I've got to do it now so just really sort of focused towards from about 16, 17 years old, really sort of went for it. And and then I got the opportunity, um, Andrew Llewellyn was uh, at school with me and he was doing really well with rugby at the time. He was representing Bedford um, quite a young age. He was involved with the first team and um, he said, you know, why don't you, why don't you come up? And our teacher at the time spoke to me and he got me up here and got me a trial with the Colts. And... Um, I got invited down to watch the first team play. I think they were playing Newcastle. Uh, Johnny Wilkinson was playing, and it was just an amazing atmosphere. And I think from then on, I was yeah, right. I want I want to play here. I want to you know run out in front of a big crowd, and you know I, I fancied a bit of it, and and that's what I decided I wanted to do. Really, is there anyone in your in that history that you think played the the, the major role in, in in shaping your your career, as it were? Um, not or was really, it you? Was not, it you that did really that? Really, <laughs> at that point, yeah. I think more than anything, um, I was just trying to prove a point, just to prove that I could do it, you know. Um, but my dad's always been, you know, encouraging, and my mum they've always encouraged me to do, you know, what I want to do. They never put any pressure on me to do anything other than what I want to do, um, and they always supported me. And they said, yeah, if that's what you want to do, go for it. But you know, go. F- full tilt at it and, and have a crack so that's what I decided to do and and yeah here I am <laughs> let's have a little bit of a break let's talk music um, the away trip idea is that we put you on a, an imaginary bus trip away uh, to uh, a fantasy rugby club and you're only allowed three tracks on your iPod as it were if I had to ask you to name your first track that you would have to have on your iPod is it an easy thing to do for you? no this I've you mentioned this before, and this is this is very hard for me because I, I love my music, and um, I like all different types of music as well. Whether it be rock music, dance music, um, you know, even like drum and bass and stuff, or very very varied style of music. So to pinpoint three for me was actually <laughs> quite hard, but um, I sort of went with a song which is quite an intense song, um, and it generally every time I hear it, it sort of you know, it gets me fired up, and it's something that I'll listen to perhaps before a game or before um, I hit the gym. Uh, something that gets me going, and probably sometimes I chuck it on if I'm going surfing in the summer and the waves are pretty big and I'm pretty scared. I'll probably put it on to just give me that bit of a kick to get in there and have a go. Um, so yeah, I've chose um, all my life by the uh, Foo Fighters. All my life I've been- 
been searching for something, something never comes, never leads to nothing, nothing satisfies, but I'm getting close, closer to the prize at the end of the rope. All night long, I dream of the day, when it comes around and it's taken away, leaves me with the feeling that I feel the most, feel it come to life when I see your ghost. Shed some light on on the blues setup here. Does everyone have their own headphones in? Do you have music going on in the in the, in the changing room? Is music a part of the team setup, or is it down to individual choice, if you like? Yeah, we have um, we have a docking station in the changing rooms and in the gym. Um, the guys put their iPods on. Um, it's got to be good though, otherwise it quickly gets unplugged. And <laughs> Who's got the worst taste of music? Who 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 is unceremoniously replaced um, in the docking station? Um, I think if. Joe Clark put his iPod on, most of the boys would freak out, but saying that, I actually really like Clarky's music, he's, he's pretty into his death metal and sort of hardcore rock and roll, but um, I personally quite like it, but I think the majority would uh, go nuts if Clarky's iPod was on more than two songs, I think. <laughs> we were talking uh, before, uh, before the Food Fighters, we were talking about the, the way that you sort of came to rugby, can you sort of remember your first senior game for Bedford Blues is that something that that will always stick in your mind or was it all a bit of a blur no I do remember it I I um my first actual appearance for the Blues was against um Rotherham and at the time Rotherham were the best team in the league and I think they were either top of our league or just come down from the premiership um and I came on for La La Lawrence White and I, I just remember just running around like a headless chicken really for 10 minutes um as a substitute and not really having much impact in the game, but just sort of a bit in awe of being on the pitch and all the people around me, really. Um, but then my first start was a week later. Um, I think Andre Fox, uh, who was playing at the time, uh, got injured, and I got the, the nod on Tuesday. Colin Jackson said to me, are you going to start this week against Otley away? Which, um, granted, Otley weren't the strongest team in the league at the time but it's never a nice place to go Otley it's, uh, the grass is really long and the forwards are always massive and just want to mix it up um, so it was, it was a bit of a baptism of fire really to go up there and start a game and, and, and get stuck in and I remember it like, like yesterday I remember the boys all um, being really supportive before kick-off and you know, telling me you know, excited they were to have me in the team and stuff and it was just a real buzz really and I think I've Managed to stay in the squad for the rest of the season, whether it be um, as a sub or the odd start. And um, yeah, I remember it like yesterday, to be honest. Is it something you still cling on to now when you now see, having been at the club now, dare I say it, a senior member of the team? Do you still cling on to that thought when you see youngsters coming through? And for instance, this season, Josh Bassett making his, his debut. Is it something you think, I'll go over and just make extra special, take extra special care of him and make sure he's all right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I really enjoy seeing all the young lads coming through. You know, like people like you know Duncan, Chuds, Daryl, 
Chris Locke, um, Josh this season because they've they've almost come through the same path as me, and they, you can tell those boys, you know, they've played in the Colts and they've had that same passion for the club, and and yeah, like it's great to see Josh come on this season, and you know, of course you go and say to him, you know, good luck and get stuck in, and cause just like the boys did for me back in what ten years ago now, so. Um, but it's great to see, and I think that's one thing about this club. You know, we're continuing to produce these these boys and these players that are, you know, playing in the second best team in the division. You know, 14th best team in the country, which we've developed, and it's it's great to see. You know, it's a testament to the academy, all the coaches there, sort of the young sung heroes like Steve Guest, who's you know he's been here 10 years coaching, and Dennis Ormishier and. and and like Vassy and, and Dan Richmond that are helping the boys develop as players. So when you see someone come on like Josh and, you know, score a try in his first game and and do well and sign a new contract, it's, you know, it's just really positive to see. It's it's good for the club. And, um, yeah, it sort of takes me back a little bit. When you look back at what the Blues have, have done and, and, and how your career has manifested itself, I, I think if you could be honest with your, with yourself and with me, I, I wouldn't have thought that you would have said, you know, way back at the start, that you were going to spend ten years at the same club. I mean, does any rugby player think that way? It's such a difficult way, such a strange sport. The sport takes you and can take you in so many different options. There must have been moments down the road of the last ten years where opportunities did arise. And, and how have you dealt with them? And, 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 and how's because it must be one of the more difficult crossroads to come a professional sportsman. Lots of different offers coming in at different times. You've been a talented player. Talk me through your your thought processes and, and where all that has has, has gone. Um, I think uh, my early career wasn't really an issue. I was just concentrating on um, trying to be a regular in the first team, and uh, for the first four years that that was hard um, because we had lots of good players at the club. Like when I first started, Lawrence White, you know, he's, he's a very talented player. Um, Lawrence moved on, and then we had people like Chris Rainbow, who who were good, and and then you had Ben Lewitt who come in, and you know Ben was, you know, probably the best player, best open side in the division when he came, um, had a storming season, and and um, I learned a lot from him that year. Um, so the first four years, it wasn't really an issue. It was just like I just want to crack in this, into this team and, and grab, make the number seven shirt my own. Um, since since Mike arrived and I've played a lot more regularly, I've had a lot more exposure and stuff. Um, it is something I've had to consider because you know you do get offers from other clubs. I mean, I've had offers from other teams in this league, but for me, it's it's not really um, it's not really a monetary thing. Um, of course, you know you have to be you have to have the right deal, but. It's all about um, how much you enjoy something, and you know I've enjoyed absolutely every second of being at Bedford. Um, yeah, there's times when it's harder than, or it's easier, but in general, I, you know I really love being around the club and I enjoy playing for the team. I mean, I don't think in this league you get a better atmosphere on match day, and you know that's what we play for as players. It's not really about playing for money. It's about you know trying to about on match day, experiencing it on the pitch for me and playing with the boys and Bedford's always attracted talented players but um, good personalities as well. I mean, most of the teams I've been in, 
you know, um, there's been, you know, like Benny Whetstone, Lee Mansour, I started playing with them, uh, you know, and Matt Volland and people like that. And, and even to today's squad, you know, some great characters in there. And um, it's just, it's made it easy to stick around, really. Um, the last two years have been, have, have had some big decisions to make. Um, we've had some pressure from other clubs, but essentially my position is I'll always be at Bedford unless there is an offer which I would be stupid to turn down. Really. I, I would never, um, I think I'd ever sign for another club in this division. Um, it would have to be uh, a, a Premiership opportunity. Have you had Premiership interest? Um, well, yeah, I've spoke to a couple of Premiership clubs um, since my time at Bedford, but um, as of yet, I've never actually had anything on the table. So, um, you know, you see, you see, you know, my best mate Carl Dixon, what he's done the last couple of years, and and you see how them boys and you, and then Ben Alexander and Moritz and stuff like that, and you want a piece of it. You can't help want a piece of that, um, and you want to test yourself. You want to see it's, you know. I'm, I love playing here, and I, I, I push myself to make sure you know I play as well as I can all the time. Um, but you know, you often wonder, you know, how how good are you? You know, can you go to the next level and and mix it with them boys? I think uh, you know it'd be great to to have that opportunity um, to really sort of have to push myself um, to try and bring the best out of myself uh, and to see how far I could go, really. I think it's just you, you need to you need to get that opportunity. You're a man who's travelled as well. Surely, playing in warmer climates, playing somewhere else in the world, rugby is a a wonderful passport, if you like. Has that ever crossed your mind? Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's still something you know I, I, I'm really interested in. Um, I'm only 28, Sam. So I know, no, absolutely. Uh, That's what I mean. This is what I mean. Yeah, yeah absolutely. There's, there's, there's lots to consider. Um, at the moment, I'm I'm really enjoying. Again, I'm just really enjoying being at Bedford. Um, especially with the team we've got. But um, who knows, you know, playing rugby in France or something like that would, would be great. Down the week and go surfing at lunchtime would be good. <laughs> Obviously, I've done a season in Australia. That was fantastic. I fancy doing that again. Um, you, you have to have these offers or opportunities come your way, and it's whether you take them or not. So, um, But at the moment, I'm just I'm really enjoying the squad and I'm fully focused on... You know, us trying to win one the British and Irish Cup and two the Championship. Let's talk music again. Second track on this very small iPod that we've got. <laughs> um, right, I was going to go for something which was a little bit relevant to our team recently, uh, and a song that I like and would always be on my playlist. Um, which it's a song which reminds me of my time in Australia. Um, traveling um, and a song which I've recently tried to learn on the guitar <laughs> badly and a song which we had um, Booty had his guitar on the, the uh, bus trip not so long ago and um, Duncan Taylor was like uh, oh no I don't play the guitar he was, he was keeping it up for a good hour and then he goes oh hang on a sec he just grabbed the guitar and belted this song out and then he played it all night and the boys were singing along and just reminds me of good times in general, really. And it was um, Green Day, uh, Time of Your Life. Another turning point, a fork stuck in the road. Time grabs you by the wrist, directs you where to go. 
So make the best of this test and don't ask why It's not a question but a lesson learned in time It's something unpredictable but in the end is right I hope you had the time of your life So take the photographs and still frames in your mind Hanging on a shelf in good health and good time Tattoos and memories and dead skin on trial For what it's worth, it was worth all the while It's something unpredictable, but in the end is right I hope you had the time I talk to you right now on a Thursday night in the middle of the playoffs, you're injured. Let's talk about injuries. Are you are you good at being injured? I'm guessing you're probably a little bit grumpy. Um, I'm obviously disappointed. I mean, I'm gutted that I can't be out there with the boys. But my view on injuries is that you know it's part of it. You have to deal with it, and um, you got to stay positive in everything you do. I think so. I've always, any time I've got injured, I've tried to focus my energy one on getting as fit again as soon as possible um, and bugging the physio staff, uh, everything I could possibly do to, to get myself healthy again. Um, and two, just try and put uh, my energy into anything else I'm doing at the time, um, whether it be um, you know, some businesses that I'm involved in or you know, anything like this year with the testimonial. You know, you'd put your energy into that and make, and make something good of that until you to the point where um, you know you're ready to come back into to playing and training with the rugby boys. Really, you play the sport of rugby on such an edge, such a, a physical edge. Does it ever run through your mind while you're out on the pitch? You know, putting yourself in a position that it it, it might see you end up injured. If I thought that, Sam, then I might also stop playing. Really, um, that's my view on it. In uh, on the open side, you just got to get get involved, and I think. I generally just tend to put any thoughts like that out of my head and because you know, if you start thinking about that you're not thinking about the game really and, and you're hesitating. If you hesitate in sport then you know, you're going to get caught out. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't really tend to think about that at all. <laughs> Open side is, is one of the most magical positions I think on the rugby field. I'm sure you will probably concur with that. It is a, a position in which you can pretty much have a hand in everything. Do you feel sort of fortunate in a way to have to have been able to play at this position because it, it really is one of those one of those opportunities in in rugby that you just get so involved in in so much, don't you? Yeah, it's it's funny really because I don't think I'm the most natural open side out there. Um, I think I generally play a lot of my junior rugby at number eight or six because uh, I quite like that sort of physical nature, but. Um, but yeah, I think since as I got into more senior teams, that's that seems to be where I ended up. Um, I pride myself on on my fitness, so that sort of even might have had something, to, <coughs> excuse me, to do with it. Um, but yeah, it's a great position. You get stuck in, and you get a lot of ball, and you're involved, and you're a, you're a big cog in in what the team's trying to do. If you're not if you're not um, doing your job and you're sipping off tackles, then you know you're gonna it's gonna affect the team hugely. So. I think you have a lot of responsibility to um, to do your job and do it well, really. The last three years I see, or the last three or four years, uh, I've seen the Blues um, 
pretty much go from from strength to strength. We, I think you'll probably concur with this. We we had a, a little bit of a consolidationary period after falling out of the, the Premiership. Jacko steadied the ship, came in and, and did what he he could, and we we stayed in the Championship. And since Mike Rare's advent, we've we've had this sort of slight upward curve, which over the last three years has really been impressive. Can you put your finger on why this has happened? I think there's a few reasons. I think, firstly, a lot of credit has to go to our chairman, um, Jeff. He's, you know, he's he's very massively su- supportive of us as a team. He gives Mikey, tries to give Mikey everything that Mikey needs for us to be competitive and do well. I mean, we don't go without anything um, as players. Um, and he he has slowly developed this this attitude within the club that we're going to do things right we're not just going to throw money at it and um you know risk the future of the club he's um he's trying to build um you know build the team up and get it to a strong position um where it can survive by itself and and make it like a, a viable business I, I guess so i think jeff has to be massively credited for that um secondly I think, yeah, Mikey's got a, a, a massive amount to do with it. I think the thing that I've... I had Rudy Strowley and Colin Jackson as coaches before Mike. I think the thing that Mike brings is is the atmosphere around the club um, and in the squad. And he it just makes it um, a fun place to be, really. It's somewhere where you, you come and enjoy what you do. Um, and that's always been at the heart, I think, of what he's trying to achieve. He's very professional, he's very thorough, um, but I think his, his attitude is, you know, work hard and play hard. You know, you've got you've to take the reins off sometimes and, and let the boys enjoy themselves. You've got to give them freedom, um, but at the same time, you know, there has to be that respect and that discipline which from the players to him um, to make it all work, and I think... I think that's what he's done over the last four or five years. He's instilled that through the whole club. I mean, I think everyone that comes up here knows someone. or um, It's just a great place to be. Um, and I think that's come from, from Mikey and, and the way he sees rugby, really. And I think that has a lot to do with the success on the pitch. There's been some special personnel coming through over the last few years. And I know you've got some special friendships and things that have developed with certain people who are still with the club and those that have moved on. What do you think has attracted those players and, and, and how do you think that they... Uh, because we continue to attract these types of players that just seem to thrive in a club like Bedford. Or is it just the club itself, you think, the club ethos that, that we have here that just gets the best out of these players? Well, I think I think um, any player is plays his best rugby when he's relaxed and he's confident... And um, I think that's what you get out of a lot of boys when they come here. They feel relaxing. It's a very relaxed environment in training, you know. It's not intense, which you can get at some places, I imagine. And, um, and yeah, the likes of, of Billy and, and, like, Dicko, they respond to situations like that, I think, and that you see that on the pitch, you know, that it brings the best out of them. Um, and, yeah, that's why you see, like, Dicko was here last night for my for my dinner um, and he's always back up here and, and, and watching the boys as any opportunity he gets because he, he, the boys generally just love the atmosphere around the club I mean and I don't think you get that at, at every rugby club third and final song ok well um, this song is probably my all time 
hands down favourite song. Um, it's a song which I could listen to over and over again. It's a song for every every occasion really. It gets me up for games. It, it makes me feel good. It reminds me of um, you know great times on the pitch, off the pitch, getting drunk, um, doing stupid stuff. Um, I probably. It's probably Matt Bolland's fault more than anything that I like this song. He introduced me to the band, um, and since then, you know, they've never been too far from any of my playlists. And uh, it's uh, "You Shook Me All Night Long" by AC/DC. through again, I know you've spoken about it before, but talk us through again what that means to you, because I, I see you operate around a room and I can see you genuinely in awe of, of, uh, of a lot of what's going on around you. It must be a very, very special feeling. Yeah, it's, um, it was kind of crazy when um, they, the club told me they were going to offer me a testimonial, because it, a testimonial is a strange thing. It's, you don't play rugby to get a testimonial. You, you know, I just want to be out there with the boys playing and to get singled out is 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 a strange thing because you know the boys work and and um, train just as hard as I do, um, and and also the players that have had the testimonial here before, you know, I, I sort of hold them in huge, you know, massive respect for them, like Benny Whetstone and Junior and and Hinko. I mean, they've done so much for the club, and so to be to be put up there with them was you know it was quite overwhelming really, and. Um, it's a bizarre thing when you're at when you're, like we were at the dinner um, back in October and you got 350 people there and people being really nice about you. You kind of have to pinch yourself and think, well, I only really play rugby. <laughs> there's, there's some people out there doing a lot better things than what I'm doing. But um, I guess in in sport, loyalty is is rewarded, um, and that's. You know, and it's a, it's uncommon, you know, in rugby. In, in you know, because rugby nowadays is turning in. Yesteryear, I mean, we've got people at this club like Mark Howe, who's played nearly 500 games for the mm. Blues and all of that. Yesteryear, yes, absolutely, perhaps. But nowadays, it's it's very uncommon. I mean, uh, Pritch made a comment to me a few weeks ago about the fact that Vassy had played 100 games and, and wasn't that an achievement and, and all of that. And it is. It mm. is an achievement for these boys and, and yourself to, to, to be associated with a club for such a long time. And it's it should be applauded in, in, in a way... I know where you're coming from, mm -hmm. humility and all of that aside. I mean, it, it is a little bit of a strange thing because you're thinking, I am doing the same, but it, it, it is, and it, it must be, it must be nice to to be to be part of a town and, and a setup and, and be able to sort of sort of, sort of give give back because I know that obviously you're you're doing a bit of that with your testimonial as well. Definitely, I mean, I I owe the club a lot. I mean, I I sort of gone from being 
you know, 17 with not really knowing what I was going to do for a job or a career, no real focus, to, you know, now, you know, being reasonably successful in what I've tried to do um, and being, you know, well looked after in a town that I love um, and Bedford's become my home. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, like we they announced last night um, that, that Jeff wants people to sort of um, contribute back to the club and you know I couldn't think of you know a better way to you know give some money back to the club because you know as a sportsman you you're always getting given stuff and you expect to be given stuff I guess and um it, you know it's nice to sometimes you know help the club out I guess and 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 try and you know, cuz I really want to see this club reach its potential I mean the players you know as players we want to play in the premiership we want that carrot we want that you know knowing that we could possibly get there, and um, you know, if we have to give a little bit of cash back to try and see that happen, then you know, why not? You know, why not? I mean, there's so many people, ex-players that are involved with this club that, well, hopefully, are going to do the same, and you know, it, it's it's only going to be a positive thing in the end. You know, we all love coming down here and watching the boys play, and we all love getting our friends down here and stuff. So, you know, you know, why not? Last couple of things. <laughs> On this imaginary away trip, if you had one book, would you know which one to take? Are you a reader? Do you do you, do you find yourself ever reading? <laughs> no, I, I keep myself to try and read books every now and again. But I've probably read about four books in my life. Um, was I, was when, one when of I, those when any I, good? When, when I found out I had to pick a book, I think the first one that came to my mind was the BFG. But, uh, um, oh, you played I did, with a few of those. I, I, you? I, I did. Um, I did read. Um, Slash's autobiography, the Guns N' Roses um, lead guitarist, and that was quite interesting to the life of a rock star. I think if I if I um, could go back and choose, I'd be a rock star definitely. Um, <laughs> having no musical talent or or a voice or anything like that, I might have um, derailed that. I don't but, know. Uh, some rock stars don't have any musical talent; yeah, they still make yeah, it. But that was pretty cool. That was an insight into. Um, you know, the lifestyle of a rock and roll legend, really. That was, that was pretty crazy. And if you had to have someone sat next to you on a, on a long bus journey, and this can be anyone from history, I mean, it doesn't matter, it could be someone from your life or anywhere. If you had to have someone who would sit next to you, you wanted to talk to, for, sit next to you for three hours, do you know who that would be? Um, Dicko's going to kill me for not saying him. <laughs> <laughs> to be but, fair, uh, who'd want him sat next to you for three hours? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think my time here has been, you know, the person that sticks out most for me is, is Matt Bolland, really. He's become, um, he's, he's come, well, probably one of the first persons I remember seeing when I signed my first contract here, because he was captain. And uh, he straight away congratulated me, and um, and then I think the next training session, you know, tried to knock my head off. <laughs> so I was always a bit um, didn't really know where I stood with Q, um, but the, the more you get to know him, um, that's just the way he is, and he's been a real, um, you know, mentor to me. He's someone who not only rugby, he's got great morals as a person, he's very, very honest and he's always told me exactly what he thinks. Um, anything rugby he'll tell me, you know, to my face, you know, what I need to, if I'm not playing well enough, he'll tell me. Um, if Q ever tells you you've played well, you know you've played well. Um, 
and he's he's just been a really good friend to me. We've had a lot of good times um, on and off the pitch, and we've been away, done gigs together, and um, he's just he's just someone I really look up to, um, admire everything he's achieved with rugby and with his businesses and stuff. So I think if it was going to be anyone, it'd, it'd have to be Q. Really, I think he's uh, there's not many better people around than Matt Volland. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you, Sash, um, to share in your musical taste, to hear a little bit more about you. Long may your blues career continue. I don't know what the future holds. I know it will probably hold something very special for you. But thank you very much for your time today and good luck with everything you do. Cheers, Sam. Thanks a lot.